Uh, so we're Job uh, 20 and 21. The book of Job is made up by preludes and then three cycles of, uh, of conversations. Uh, and uh, there is, in every, every cycle, there's three, three? That's a hard, three, three, three. There's three cycles and three friends. So they will speak, Job responds, speak, Job responds. Those three of those cycles. We're in cycle number two. We're ending cycle number two. And today we're going to hear from uh, Job's friends so far. Um, in cycle two, Job's friends has been focusing on the wicked people and what's going to happen. What the wicked people, what is the faith of the uh, faith of the wicked? Um, and so that's very interesting because uh, because why are they doing that? In what way is that encouraging to Job? That they spent a whole conversation, their whole conversations talking about the wicked. How how is that helping, Job? I don't think it is, and that's just why it's strange. And then you can say, depending on how hard you are on his friends, are they insinuating that Job is the wicked person? They could be. And that's still not very helpful. <laughs> Poor Job. Um, I will have uh, Abel come and read for us uh, the two chapters, and then I'll return and give some comments on that. Slides from the sermon. Uh, just uh, as Abel's going to read for us, uh, I, would, I do want to encourage you guys to, to follow along in your Bible, make some notes, uh, write down when you think uh, God is speaking to you about who He is, and, uh, and then um, that should be on. उट 
he will perish forever like his own dung those who have seen him will say where is he he will fly away like a dream and not be found he will chase away like a vision of the night the eye that saw him will see him no more nor will his place any more behold him his children will seek the favor of the poor and his hands will give back his wealth his bones are full of his youthful vigor but it will lie down with him in the dust though evil is sweet in his mouth though he hides it under his tongue though he is loath to let it go and holds it in his mouth yet his food is turned in his stomach it is the venom of cobras within him he swallows down riches and vomits them up again god casts them casts them out of his belly he will suck the poison of cobras the tongue of a viper will kill him he will not look upon the rivers the streams flowing with honey and curds he will give back the fruit of his toil and will not swallow it down from the profit of his trading he will get no enjoyment for he has cru- for he has crushed and abandoned the poor he has seized a house that he did not build because he knew no contentment in his belly he will not let anything in which he delights escape him there was nothing left after he had eaten therefore his prosperity will not endure in the fullness of his sufficiency he will be in distress the hand of everyone in misery will come against him to fill, to fill his belly to the full god will send his burning anger against him and drain it upon him unto his into his body he will flee from an iron weapon a bronze arrow will strike him through it is drawn forth and comes out of his body the glittering point comes out of his gallbladder terrors come upon him utter darkness is laid up for his for his treasures a fire not fan will devour him what is left in his tent will be consumed the heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth will rise up against him the possessions of his house will be carried away dragged off in the day of god's wrath this is the wicked man's portion from god the heritage decreed for him by god job 21 then job answered and said keep listening to my words and let this be your comfort bear with me and i will speak and after i have spoken mock on as for me is my complaint against man why should i not be impatient look at me and be appalled and lay your hand over your mouth when i remember i am despaired and shuddering seizes my flesh why do the wicked live reach old age and grow mighty in power their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes their houses are safe from fear and no rod of god is upon them their bull breeds without fail their cow calves and does not miscarry they send out their little boys like a flock and their children dance they sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice to the sound of the pipe they spend their days in prosperity and in peace they go down to sheol they say to god depart from us we do not desire the knowledge of your ways <coughs> what is the almighty that we should serve him 
And what profit do we get if we pray to Him? Behold, is not their is not their prosperity in their hand? The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is it that the lamp of the wicked is put out, that their calamity comes upon them, that God distributes pains in His anger, that they are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away? You say God stores up their iniquity for the children. Let him pay it out to them that they may know it. Let their own eyes see their destruction, and let them drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care for their houses after them? When the number of their months is cut off, will any teach God knowledge, seeing that the, that He judges those who are on high? One dies in his full vigor, being holy at ease and secure. His pails full of milk. And the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. They lie down alike in the dust, and the worms cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts and your schemes to wrong me. For you say, Where is the house of the prince? Where is the tent in which the wicked live? Have you not asked those who travel the roads? And do you not accept the testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity, that is rescued in the day of wrath? Who declares his way to his face, and who repays him for what he has done? When he is carried to the grave, what watches kept over his tomb? The clothes of the valley are sweet to him. All mankind follows after him, and those who go before him are innumerable. How then will you comfort me with the empty nothings? There is nothing left of your answers but falsehood. Thank you very much, Abel. So, what is all that, all that mean? As so far he starts his speech, he's very focused on himself. You see, I underlined or made it bold. My thoughts, me, 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 my, me. So, so, um, maybe that's understandable. Uh, the friends are responding to the way Job is talking to them. Job is also talking to them in a sarcastic way, sometimes calling them kind of dumb and fools. Um, so that maybe is why he's saying, I hear censures that insults me. So I hear stuff that insults me. Maybe that was Job calling them all cattle last week. Um, so you can understand that you respond to be calling a cattle, be called um, and then he has a, this spirit that answers from, from within him. And then he starts this long description of what, going, of what is going to happen to the wicked. The question is like, like, is, is, is like what I said in the beginning. How is this going to comfort Job? In any way. 
there's a greater chance that he's going to be insulted by their insinuations. Just like last week, some of the things they say about the wicked is what is happening to Job. So this is not very helpful at all. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the situation. Job said last week, if you don't have anything that can encourage me, just be quiet. So far gets insulted and then he starts talking about the wicked. It makes no sense. Just like had his shake in your head. No, it makes no sense. Interesting is interesting thing is um, I there's a lot of good things here. I'm gonna skip most of the so far stuff. Um, and go back and go to what how Job's response. How does Job respond? Well, um, we've left Job every week in a sad in a sad state where he has this skin thing that breaks out, heals, breaks out, and he has these worms that comes and eats eats the the uh, eats the dead skin. We know he has red eyes for weeping. His servants don't listen to him. Uh, his whole family has been estranged from him. All his children are dead. He's lost everything. He's like a foreigner in his home house. Uh, most of the time he probably sits outside of his house in an ash heap talking to these friends. Trying to make sense of why all this is happening. Um, and then he has these three friends. It turns out to be four, but he has these three friends who are supposed to come and comfort him. Job responds after this long description of the wicked. Just keep listening to my words. This will be your comfort. Bear with me and I will speak. And after I have spoken, mock on. So he knows that they're going to respond back and not going to respond to what he said. So he already now is going to be like, yeah, I know I'm going to say something and then you're just going to uh, say something, something that's unhelpful. Then he addresses, he addresses one, one really big point is, um, why should I not be impatient? Because I'm not talking about man. I'm talking about a God that we believe can do anything at any point. So why should I not be impatient? If God can take this stuff away from me, why do you guys want me to be patient? My problem was not with man. And he says again, look at me. Just the description I said. And be a Paul. And put your hand over your mouth. Be quiet. And he says, when I remember I'm dismayed and shudder and seizes my face. Job responds then with his second question. Why did the wicked live and reach old age and grow mighty in power? A big question that people also today have. Why is it that the wicked prosper and me who are trying to do what God is asking and having a hard time? The wicked are safe. 
they have prosperity, they have peace. They say to God, depart from us, we don't desire knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? Uh, and what profit do we get from praying? All the wealth is in their hands. Now Julius says, but all that stuff, like I'm not even close to the wicked people. The wicked people are far from me. Then he asks the question, well, how often is this actually going to happen, what you said so far? How often is God going to turn off the lights of their houses? A symbolic, a symbolic thing that in each tent at this time, you would always have a light burning with oil. And that's the last thing you would turn out. That was a big sign, big sign of poverty if you didn't have enough oil to let that lamp shine. When does God punish in his anger? Why doesn't God pay it out? Why don't he punish them and let them drink of his anger? Then he comes a little bit back. We have this back and forth with Job. He's like, God, why don't you do these things? And then he steps a few more back and says, well, God, you are still God. So I understand, I understand that I don't understand you. And so in 22 he says, will any teach knowledge, God knowledge, seeing that he judges those who are on high? So then he says, okay, okay, I know, God, I just told you to do all of those things, but how, who am I? Who am I to say how you should run things? Because you are the judge of people on earth and on heaven, in heaven. Uh, the wicked are easy and secure. And then in, 20, in 27 he comes back and he just tells his friends, I know your thoughts and your schemes and they wrong me. I know what you're thinking. And all that stuff, you, you're just out to get me. You're out to wrong me. The evil man is spared. He's rescued in the day of wrath. And then they, he rounds off his uh, he rounds off his uh, his rounds of speech by saying in 34, How then will you comfort me with your empty nothings? There's nothing left in your answers but falsehood. Let's just say Job is not encouraged by their speeches after they all spoken two times. Um, as we've gone through, I've tried to synthesize or, uh, or come up with a theme in these. And so today we're going to touch on these two questions that Job has. He has more questions, but this is two, two of them. We just talked a little bit about it, as I just mentioned. As for me, is my complaint against man? Why should I not be impatient? Job said to his friends, God has nothing to do with you. I've said it all times. I know you don't want to hear it, my friends. But I'm saying God is doing this to me. And I would, God, I would like God to stop doing this to me. How about immediately? So why are you complaining about that? I know God could just stop, stop it immediately, so why should I not? Why shouldn't I be impatient?
maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking about a few times where you've been praying for different things. And you know that God can give it to you immediately. You might be getting a little bit impatient because you know, in principle, God can just give it to you immediately. But then maybe you also know a little bit of theology and maybe you've walked with God a while and then you know that sometimes asking for something doesn't mean that you're going to get it and you need to. Let's say hypothetically I had a daughter, I have two, that would keep asking for snacks or bad things or let's say hypothetically I might have made a parenting mistake and one of my kids kept eating and eating and eating bad things. Then hypothetically, you can wake up in the morning and the kid's gonna throw up all, all over the room. Sometimes when we ask God for something, since we are not omniscient, almighty, we don't know the consequences. Just like maybe one of my daughters didn't know the consequences of keeping eating and eating and eating. I know that's just, uh, Maybe just a little bit of an example just to laugh at. But maybe it actually carries a lot of weight. I think maybe I used this one before. <laughs> I think they use it, sometimes they use it as a, as a little bit of a... What if God had given you everything you wanted? And then when you look back, there's some things you prayed about and you're like, God, thank you so much that I didn't get that. God says, you're welcome. Because um, sometimes we don't even know what the right thing is to pray for. And then it also conjures up this thing, is God slow? There's an interesting thing. If you know your Bible, this does happen. This is not something that doesn't happen. The interesting thing that when God does this, this is what today we're really, really uncomfortable with. Because the passages that I'm going to reference now are some of the passages that people in this, at least in this culture, would be very, very uncomfortable with. Because we see God's justice immediately. So it's interesting that we want justice, but when God brings it immediately, then we're like, oh, but how can a God who is uh, full of love, how can he do that? This is the contrast between those things. Because I will reference these and say, when Korah rebels against Moses, the ground opens and swallows him and his family. Boom. We have Onan and Onan's brother. He just said, God killed them because they were wicked. Boom.
um, we have the people rebel against it in the desert. Ooh, there's fiery snakes and they start killing it. We have the Israel, if Israelites rebelling, God says those people are gonna die. All the Levites puts on, puts on swords and they go around killing people. 35,000 die. It's very interesting that we all want justice, but when it comes immediately, we start going, ah, well, I mean, ah, 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 I don't necessarily like it so much. And when do we want justice? That's when we were offended. Do we want justice when we sin? No. We don't. Then we want mercy and grace and the love of God. And then you can also, there's always, then people are going to be like, well, that's just how God is in the Old Testament. And I'll point to, no, it is not. Because he kills two people for lying in the New Testament, called Ananias and Sapphira. God does not change, he's always the same, but we are just, that don't look wrong. But we are just not comfortable when he acts righteously immediately. In, in a principle, we want him to. But our sensibilities are then touched and like, well, uh, maybe you could have just, uh. What does God say about himself? says about himself in Exodus 34. The Lord passed before him, him as Moses had proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for a thousand, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means Clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers, of the children, and their children's children to the third and fourth generations. What does it say about God? God is patient, merciful, slow to anger, which is probably a really, really good thing. Because, like I said many times, I will be a terrible God. There would not be any people left. Maybe it would be the same for you. Abounding steadfast love and faithfulness. But he will not clear the guilty. So is God slow? What is slow to anchor? Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Examples is uh, 
as Abraham is walking through the land, he says, in generations you will inherit this land. The people in that land gets 430 years to repent of their sins. 430 years is a pretty substantial amount of time. God is extremely patient. And we've seen that as we went through the book of Judges, as we went through the book of Kings, and you were like, God, these people are idiots. <laughs> like, how can you, how, how is it that you keep, how can you, like, why, like, how can you keep these people on the throne? The northern king, the northern king had no good king. The Son of the had a few. God. Ah. But it's always not easy to see other people sin. Also, when you see in the street, you see, like, you see a couple fighting, you can see it's one of them that's the problem. It's like, oh, that's obvious that that person is insane. You see somebody treating their kids unfairly in the street, like, man, it's so easy. To see other people's sin. But what about in your life? Has God been patient with you? What if we were handed what we deserve immediately? Well, we're all be dead. We all want justice. When somebody has the wrong us. But we would really like mercy when we have wronged others. And brings us up to this good question. Like, good question. Who is the wicked? Is the wicked some kind of category you just make up? Of like really, really bad people like Hitler, Samson, murderers, and, uh, adulterers, and like this category over here, theoretically, the people who are really, really bad. Who are the wicked? This is where uh, it takes a turn. Because what does the Bible teach about who the wicked is and the unjust? Bible teaches we are all wicked and unjust and rebellious and by and by nature children are wrath. The sin is so easy to see in other people. But can I see who I am? There was one quote one time, I've used it one time a long time ago. Because uh, maybe in this day of age, most people think, well, people are all basically good people. And somebody responded and says, that's, probably, that's not true. And when is the last time somebody said in a dark room, totally dark room, and just thought about all the bad things they've done in their whole life? Then you know you're not a good person. This is not like an exercise you should go home and do, but it's a, it's a thing where you like, Am I really overshooting how good I am? And I'm really, really underestimating my rebelliousness against God. Am I really 
actually the wicked. There's one hero in the Bible, his name is Jesus. Most of the time, we are not the example of the good person. What happens when we are confronted with our sin? Either we see we do it ourselves, or we can see we did sin. Do I justify my sin? Do I explain it away? Or do I see my sin as terrible against God and the person and ask for forgiveness? We're going to take a we're going to take some, just a few. Wow, wow, we're already far ahead. I'm going to apologize in advance because we cannot do as much as I would like, but here we are. This is uh, Peter writing to the persecuted church. They're getting uh, confused and they're getting provoked and people are saying, well, Jesus is not coming back. And um, Peter explains, don't overlook the fact, beloved, with the Lord, a day is as like a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow. And why is He not slow? To fulfill His promise in some count, to slowness, but is patient towards you, wishing that any, not any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And He says that the other Lord will come like a thief. There will be judgment. But God is patient, not slow. Who is the wicked? The Romans clearly says we all are. None are righteous. Not even one. Quotes from Jeremiah. Uh, no one seeks God. Everybody turns aside. We all become worthless. No one's good. Not even one. Our throats, uh, throats is an open grave. They use tongue to deceive. They are like venom. Mouthful of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths and ruin. There is no fear of God in their eyes. If we tie, as Jesus, he tightens the commandments, then it's not just about killing people. It's about killing people in your mind. It's about being uh, adulterous in your mind. It's about hating people in your heart. All of a sudden, all of this stuff is tightened, and our hearts are exposed as dark, and as children wrath, we are the wicked. He continues in three. There's no distinguishing. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God before as a propitiation by its blood to perceive by faith. That was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just be just and the justified of those who have faith in him. We are all the wicked. We have all rebelled against God. We've all turned our own way. We all focus on ourselves. And you can say, but I'm not as bad as that person. That's not the point. Compared to Jesus, you're terrible. And we've all gone our own way and rebelled against the one who made us. 
That's the bad news. The good news is right here that although we all sin and we're brought by children, by nature, children of wrath, God in His love, by grace, gives us a gift. His Son and His blood can cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And it actually answers a little bit of Job's question. Some wicked people, God does not punish. He lets their sin go because in his divine foreknowledge, God and Jesus had a plan. They knew that Jesus' blood was going to cover sin. So they didn't punish all sin. They knew where he was going to be taken care of. So we have some sins that are not dealt with immediately. Why? He was to show his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. Everybody's calling out, why is the wicked prosper? Why isn't people punished? For us, it was a good thing. Because we were the wicked. But in God's grace and mercy, He makes a way for us through the Son. We're all doomed without Jesus. If we got what we deserve, we will be punished in hell. Experience the wrath of God. We can't handle justice. We need mercy. All people do. All people need mercy. I was just reflecting on that. I just that's for this is really preaching myself too. I believe we need to focus way more on how much we forgive than how we think other people should be punished. The glory of God saving us should be the fantastic reward treasure that we look to every day. Not that your neighbor should be punished for the things that he does wrong. God's got that. And Jesus even says you need to pray for him. You need to pray for him. I mean, you need to pray for the people. Why? Well, we have examples even today. We have ISIS, we have ISIS kill, killing people for the faith in Jesus. But we also hear testimonies that then they pick up the Bible and they get saved. The Bible of the man they just killed. God can do a lot more that just bring justice. He can actually give mercy. He can save the one. We saw it in Paul. Persecuted church, tried to stamp it out. Get knocked off get knocks off get knocked gets knocked off his horse. And the rest of his life he suffers for Jesus. That's why we pray for our enemy. That our enemy might actually experience the same thing we did going from wicked 
to experience mercy and the blood of Jesus clings in them. And this is my prayer that you've already experienced that, that you already know that, that you're treasuring that, that as a church family, we're just encouraging one another with the treasure that that is. Because all of us are still sinning, unfortunately. Let's not take that easy, but know there's forgiveness and repentance. And we've been bought with a great price. What did we look like? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked the way of the world and we were out of the power of the Prince of the Air. We were the sons of just like the sons of dis disobedience now. By nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So it seems really bad. But then we take that next part of the verse. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ it's by grace you've been saved and raised us up with, and, with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the initial riches his grace kindness towards us in Christ yes we were children of wrath we were wicked, but now we're adopted as sons and daughters of the King. Why? Because God loves us, and we see that in Jesus Christ. That's our treasure. That's our hope. Our hope is never that the our hope is never that the wicked get what they deserve, because we just have to look in the mirror and remember we were wicked. Our hope, our plea to God is that the wicked would turn and see who God is. And that he, they would experience, like what we experience, mercy, that they are loved, that there's a way to God through Jesus Christ. Summing all these things up, I'm not going to do that, but you can have this over if you want. <laughs> but Job's is going to say these two things at the end, and he's going to say, God, I don't understand you. But you're the one who's going to judge. Then he's going to kick a little bit at his friends again and say, I know your thoughts and your scheme, and you're, you're going to keep wronging me. How are you going to comfort me? There's nothing left. You, all your answers are false. Like Joseph said, Job does not have a clear view of who God is. He does not have a clear view of who Jesus is. We have a clearer view. The question is, do we, do we encourage one another for that immense treasure? Do you know you're so bad that God actually had to send his son to die so you can be reconciled to him and don't have wrath on you. If you know that you're so valuable now that he actually loves you to do that. That you're adopted as sons and daughters now into his family instead of what you were born as, children of wrath. That's a great, great news. 
Terrible new thirst, but great news now. You were dead in your trespasses and lost. Children are wrath. Saved by the love of God and adopted into his family. We have our reflection questions. Are Job's, why are Job's friends talking about the wicked? Who is the wicked? Is God slow to judge? What is better than the wicked getting judged? Where should your focus be? And just that one sentence more on my paper. More in my I want more sentence on my paper. Let's rejoice in our salvation. Let's encourage us so much that yes, we were wicked people, but now we have been saved into this amazing grace. And let us not like the let the what the the gospel old gospel song says. Uh, what's that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting confused in my head. Um, the one with the light. Uh, I'm gonna let it shine. Uh, this little light of mine, of course. Let our light shine to the world. That we have found great hope in God, in Jesus, to set us free. Let us not hold this down, but let us shine. And let the people see that there's great hope. Let us not care about the wicked. Well, that's wrong. Let's care about the wicked enough to pray for them that they too will be saved. But let's rejoice in the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much for this time. Just thank you. Help us to be excited. Help us to be extremely excited. Extremely thankful for who you are and what you do. But we just confess that we are by nation children of wrath. Um, we have rebelled against you and we unfortunately do it daily. Thought, word, deed. But Lord, we want to come to you and say, we want to believe that you love us. We want to believe that you have saved us. We want to believe and trust that when we fail, you can forgive us. That once and for all, Jesus, you went on the cross and took away all our shame, pain, guilt, and sin. The power of the evil one, you redeemed us to be free. You adopted us into a new family. You gave us a job to work with you in Christ to let more people see who we are and to worship you. So I pray you would help us do that in this place. Encourage each of us to be excited about this. Help us, help us, Lord God, to focus on the treasure, not all the stuff that's not the treasure. And Jesus, you are the treasure. Help us. It's for your glorious name we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, recording.